0: Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.
1: Welcome back to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with the industry's biggest names. I'm Alan Seals, and our guest today is now Tony nominee Rachel. Dratch, who you probably know very well from her SNL days. Uh, Of course, Debbie Downer is one of her most, one of my most favorite characters that, uh, that she's ever done on the show. And of course, one of hers too. We get into that a little bit. We are recording in New York City. So just a little disclaimer from her side. Sometimes you hear some sirens. She lives in Midtown, I think. So that she can be close to the theater and she's just so fun and such an awesome person to talk to. Her love for performing and comedy just knows no bounds. I am super excited to share this interview with you. So as always, find me online, Instagram and Twitter, theater underscore podcast. Leave a rating and a review. Find me on TikTok at the theater podcast. I still don't know what I'm doing, but I'm having fun. So we're going to take a quick break and then come right back for Rachel Dratch.
0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Here you
2: go, one, two, three.
1: Today's guest is no stranger to live performing, having been a cast member on Saturday Night Live for seven years, originating Debbie Downer, one of my all-time favorite characters, and still being seen for the occasional guest appearance. She's got her own memoir called Girl Walks Into a Bar, has hosted her own late-night show, has numerous off-Broadway credits, and now just made her Broadway debut in POTUS, or Behind Every Great Dumbass Are Seven Women Trying to Keep Him Alive, which just resulted in a 2022 Tony nomination. Rachel Dratch, welcome to the theater podcast.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: Oh, you're very, very welcome. And I was surprised to read that after like being in the limelight for so long and having a career as long as yours, that this is your Broadway debut.
2: It is my Broadway debut, yes. I mean, so, it's very exciting.
1: <laughs> and, and what for a For me, show. anyway. And I met you, yeah, we were talking off air for a second a second that I met you during Tailspin. So you've got, you know, your second political uh My second
2: political comedy, yes.
1: Well talk me through talk me through how you got involved with POTUS because well, I mean, I guess at this and we'll get into your career and et cetera, and how you got to the the stage at this point, but POTUS on Broadway, hilarious with some amazing with six other amazing women.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, I'm not quite sure how I was, I I think the reason I'm in this is because of Susan Susan Stroman, who um, tapped me like a fairy godmother of Broadway. Um, I did a reading uh, with her of a musical that um, didn't take off, but um, that was, I don't even know how many years ago. And then, and then I did her One Night Only, Crazy For You, um, at Lincoln Center, um, I had a pretty funny part in that one so i don't know i guess she had me in mind when she was directing this as uh, someone to round out the the comedy cast of this show so i i believe it was all because of stro as i now call her now that i'm in the broadway scene um yeah so that's how it all came about
1: that's so much fun i i saw the show the other day and i'm not going to spoil anything but um it's it's a it's a group of people coming together, uh, the cast coming together. And I've known Lily for Lily Cooper for a long time, and uh, just these this cast of women coming together. I, I've never seen all of you together, or even pairs of you together before. And you all work so well together, and are and I guess Strowman too. When you're working together, when you're getting to know the script, when you're getting to know each other, how much of the timing, the what we see on stage came from the script, came from Stroh, and how much did everyone bring into each character?
2: Oh my gosh. Um, I don't know. It's like, it was kind of a, a mix of everything. I mean, like Susan Strowman is so chill, but she has her own, like she has a vision, but she never comes in. It's like, this is what I see here. You know, she just like very calmly and mellowly says like, you know, start here, go here, whatever. And then, you know, brings her whole comic sensibility to it. But she's also extremely open to what all the performers bring. So it never felt like, I don't know, it just felt very, very organic in terms of what all the actors brought. And um, yeah, it was, it was a very lovely process. Uh, and then, yes, um, she, Susan Strom is very open to people's comedy ideas too. <laughs> and, and, and input, even if it wasn't, kind of, even if it was like a, a moment in the play that's a little more, you know, heartfelt or political or making a statement. She, we had a few discussions, of like, what are we trying to say here? And that kind of thing. So um, it was all really positive, except we all got COVID. Like, wah, wah. But aside from, <laughs> aside from that, <laughs> you know, it was a really positive uh, process that felt very natural.
1: So is the is now the process of Broadway eight shows a week Compare that to the, the the pressure that I suspect people are Ooh, yeah. under on SNL, right?
2: I mean, it's two totally different things. I would say SNL felt like more pressure because you were having to write every week. And, you know, if you've ever tried to write a comedy sketch, it's not always easy. So, you know, you're always trying to come up with your next character and hope you get on the show and, you know, hope that the the host of that week likes your sketch. So they'll pick like, there's, it was almost like an audition every week, sort of in a sense. So this doesn't have that. This is like, once you're there, you're there. And of course it's physically demanding this part and a lot of our parts in this show. So um, it definitely, that Broadway schedule is is no joke. But, um, but then I think of people who are doing like a musical where they actually have to sing and dance (laughs) and that's a lot harder. Or I think of like, you know, Macbeth. I think, oh, my God, imagine doing that twice a day. Because anytime time we have a two-show day, I'm like, this is hard. But um, it's actually <laughs> a lot of fun. <laughs> but um, it definitely takes over your life. You know, you're not going away on the weekends. So right. there's that. There was that. A, yeah.
1: a, a, muggle, a muggle friend of mine. Uh, he he took his family to go see Hamilton the other day. And he said, he said, uh, I saw the matinee of Hamilton. So like, there's a whole other cast that comes in for the night show, right? It's like, mm, oh my gosh! Mm, right. No, 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 right. no, no! <laughs> those, those people are paid, highly yeah. paid to do that very well. Oh
2: my gosh!
1: Yeah, uh, you're, I love it in POTUS. Your character spends most of the show high on on drugs, which are just freaking hilarious. Uh, so yeah, you mentioned the physical aspect of it. Is that something that that you fell into over? I guess over time. Like, talk to me about the comedy chops. Right. Because we're getting we'll get into Second City. We'll get into young Rachel. Okay. But but all do right. you prefer slapsticky or like highbrow comedy if we wanna call Ooh, it?
2: Oh well, I mean, honestly, I like all forms of comedy, I think, except maybe the kind of thing where you're tricking the audience and prank comedy. I'm not like I'm so bad at that and that makes me want to run away. But aside from that i mean i mean to participate in it but um aside from that though no i mean you know i came up in improv and sketching but i i also did the school plays and stuff like that i was a drama major so i sort of had this whole melange going on there but um but i my most comfortable zone i guess is improv and sketch and so the what i love about this part is um Just all the, like, you know, on the page, it says one thing. And then it's like, what are you going to do with that thing? You know, Mm. especially in this role, which is kind of like the clown of the show. So I love that thing where you're finding, oh, if I do this, like, you know, this will get a really big laugh. Or the thing that, that whole sort of science of on stage, like... It's weird if I like move my hand here and then say the line, it gets a laugh. But if I do it at the same time, it does like, I love all that stuff. So it's just fun to experiment and and try all that stuff out um, in front of the audience. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I guess I really love doing physical comedy, but it's never, I've never thought of myself as like, I'm strictly a physical comedian. Like I've never really even thought of that until this play came along, I guess. So, yeah.
1: (laughs) It's strange when, when, I I did some of my own improv in college because I'm that guy as well,
2: <laughs> and
1: and people are like, why it's improv? Why do you why do you rehearse? Why do you practice? Why do you practice improv? And the answer I, w- I would always give them was like, it's that part of your brain is a muscle, just like anything else needs to be flexed, needs to be you need to to strengthen it, you need to grow it because you need to be able to train yourself to be able to react in certain ways, and and people make fun of the yes and part of of things all the time, but it's so important to to come out and add to a scene or only come out when a character is needed in, instead of just coming out to get some attention, right? So, uh, go ahead.
2: Oh, no, I was going to say, like, I used to do improv almost every single night of my life <laughs> in my 20s. So it used to be just, like, part of my life so much and I could never imagine not doing improv. And now I haven't done it in years, which is so strange to me. But um, But in terms of the practicing, I mean the biggest hurdle to overcome to become a good improviser is the fear of not knowing what you're going to say. So that's what the, that's why you rehearse. It's like practicing, getting over that fear, practicing, jumping in when you, you know, there's an edit needed and you don't quite know what you're gonna say, but you just trust you're going to come up with something. Cause that, that does take a ton of practice. You know, mm-hmm. uh, when you first start out, you're thinking of a line, you're trying to think of a joke in the back line, like, "Oh, well, what if I say that? And then that just doesn't work, as you, you soon discover. And I think, you know, the first sort of um, leap you can take when you're improvising is jumping out without knowing what you're going to say. And, well, how do you uh, balance
1: that then with with writing sketches? Because if you're trying to write, writing obviously is something you need to plan. You can't just go out on right. live television not knowing what you're going to say. But then, so how do you balance that with the improv training?
2: Well, that's a great question. Um, I mean, at Second City, you know, you start off in improv and then you start practicing writing sketches. And a lot of, at Second City, a lot of sketches came out of an improv scene. So we, we weren't sitting at computers. Which didn't even exist then. No, I mean we we weren't <laughs> sitting like we weren't. We had typewriters back did, then. No, you we were ap- your we advocates. You were writing yeah, the sketches. Of. No, we weren't sitting there writing them like in any sort of cerebral way. We would just do a sketch, and then it's like, oh, that sketch worked. Let's let that improv scene worked. Let's try that as a sketch, and then you would kind of hone it and shape it, and that's how we developed material at Second City. Then you get to SNL, and it's a whole different thing because you you are sitting there in front of your computer, and then your brain kind of has to do this shift of like wait, how am I going to write a sketch when I haven't? Because up on your feet, you come up with, I found, I'd come up with a lot funnier stuff improvising than I would sitting there. But then you right. then you learn how to do it that way. It was like a learning curve. Luckily, you know, you might know some people there that can help you along. Because I mean, I've seen a lot of people that are really funny that go through SNL. And they, they, they don't have that adjustment, and it's really hard there. So, um, yeah, and then your brain sort of starts to work like a sketch writer, you know, you start to anticipate what would get a laugh. Or I always like writing sketches with other people because then you have the person right there. Like if you're laughing together, then it's probably something funny, you know.
1: Do you have a a, a favorite character that has that you that you have over time? I mentioned Debbie Downer is one of my favorites, but are you like oh, I'm so over Debbie? I would rather do something else.
2: Um. Well, I mean, when you're on SNL, like you know, I was there for seven years, so. You, you're always trying to come up with a character that might stick or even that might, you know, succeed one time even. But, um, <laughs> but then, like, you know, there's ones that could come back and all that stuff. But um, because I was there so long, like, you know, there's different characters sort of each season, you know, like, my char- my favorite character was anything that was, like, getting on the air, basically. Um, but, you know, I had, like, the Boston Teenagers. That was really fun because that was a sketch I had done with Tina at Second City, and then we wrote it there. And so, like, you know, I'd reference little local high school references in there and stuff like that. And then, and then, um, well, of course, Debbie Downer definitely got me the most. Like, that's the one people come up to me the most about. So, I mean, I'm not, like, I'm so sick of this because it was it was almost like a time capsule to me. Like, I did it then and... It's, it's kind of had some like cultural staying power. So, you know, that makes me happy that some people don't know that that phrase came out of the sketch. Some people think the sketch came out of the phrase, but that's not true. So I like that, you know, we created this thing that it became, I mean, there's now a, a term, except I do feel bad because one of my best friends' name is Debbie and I, she's not a downer at all. And and my aunt Debbie too. And I feel really bad that I associate because I didn't know it was going to stick. So to, to my friend Debbie and my aunt Debbie, I'm very sorry you are not downers at all. Um, <laughs> and then and then my other probably fave is probably the um the lovers in the in the hot tub with Will Ferrell because that was just so goofy and cringy and, and made me laugh a lot. So um those are probably my my ones that I have the most I don't know fondness you know, for, or whatever. I yeah. was
1: thinking of everybody you were just naming. and and I think actually part of the training, the improv training that you actually have to be good at, and you have to practice this is not laughing, not breaking. Because when you have to take these characters seriously for them to come across and be funny to who's watching. So when you're in these scenes with Tina and with Will Ferrell, and especially, you know, Jimmy Fallon is the king of cracking. Uh, but you're with these people that, is that something that, that uh, you're actively fighting against? Or are you just... Are, are some of these people, uh, especially some of the hosts, too, they come in and they're like these serious actors so in the moment. Are they just there like goofing off at the time? uh
2: you know, I would try not to laugh because... Well, back before I was ever on the show, I always liked it when people cracked up because it just made me laugh at home. But um, you try not to just because it's sort of like a cheap... La- like, you know the audience is going to go nuts, so... You try not to do that, just because then they're not really laughing at what you're saying; they're just laughing because you're laughing. So I would really try, but there were a few times. Obviously, that first Debbie Downer, we um, we really <laughs> lost it, and a few other times. But I really made a valiant effort not to. I'm happy to say I have not broken yet in, in POTUS. <laughs> so really, I thought because I'm I like I am not going to break on Broadway stage. You no know
1: what? I think I think it was <laughs> I think it was Leah. Was it when I was watching it? I think someone almost broke.
2: I can't remember remember
1: who it was though. I was going to ask if it was you, but yeah, that's, that's impressive because POTUS is so funny and you, all of you just don't stop.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun.
1: Do you have a, a a favorite, I guess a favorite moment in that? Because I mean, your character is all over the place.
2: Um, I mean, I love so many moments that Selena Fillinger has written. Um, So, I mean, I like at the beginning, I'm all, you know, mousy and scared. And I I love playing that. Like, that's kind of my wheelhouse. So um, I love the the first act. But then it's also fun to, like, for me as a person, to bust out of that for myself and for this character. So it's very freeing. Like, you know, it's funny. Like, you know, if you have to play angry for a whole play, your body becomes physically angry in a Mm -hmm. way. You know what I mean? And so for this, to play this, like, freed up, loopy, trippy person it's kind of fun because like i feel like my body actually gets this like little vacation every night it's 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 fun it's weird how that mind body thing works so oh, it's I don't not to not get weird. all metaphysical here but i know but like you might not expect me to say that <laughs> being a comedy person but i've noticed like it's just kind of cool it's, it's almost like meditation when i'm right. in the second act yeah so it's like a, it's a little um brain vacation
1: well, I think yeah. I think it's it's again it's the difference between acting and being because it, for you to take <laughs> it seriously for for the audience to take you seriously as this character you have to go there and you're convincing your body to react in a certain way that your brain is pretending to be or yeah. you know, being and I I absolutely love that and I I I've talked with with so many people um who do the opposite right like Elizabeth Stanley from Jagged Little Pill going through all the trauma and the abuse and all the serious things that her character does eight shows a week. I was like, how do you come out of that and still be a normal person? And she's like, she said literally she would go off stage at the end of every show after curtain call and just like, everyone knew to leave her alone and she would just literally shake, shake it out. You know, just get it all out of her system and make sure like she's leaving Mary Jane on stage so she can go home and be Elizabeth Stanley. And I, I assume that for something like like you and uh, POTUS and all the other women in the show, they are are happy and thrilled to be able to take <laughs> some of that home a little bit. Yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, maybe that's why I'm in, in comedy. I don't know, but it's, it's just, it's fun to be around laughter all night. You know, it's fun to be in a room of a thousand people and everyone's laughing, especially now. Like, um, you can feel the audience really wants to laugh. And I don't know if it's cause like Broadway's back and, the pandemic's over or just because like the world right now, but there's a, there's this kind of feeling of like, they're laughing, but then they're also psyched that they're laughing. I can't even explain it, but it's just this vibe in the room. That's, that's really fun.
1: Well, it's going on. It's going on a journey. I say this all the time on the podcast. You're going on a shared journey with a room full of strangers, and we are a we are evolved from herd animals who love to be together and have these shared emotional experiences. And that's my version of spirituality is is allowing myself to experience these things with all these people that I don't know, and that to me gets me excited. I love that, and I missed that. I missed that so much. And to your point about having. A 1,000 people in a room eight times a week that are laughing together, not maliciously, is one of the greatest things I think we have right now. And Mm -hmm. and people want it. People need it, whether they realize it or not.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So why did you
1: get into—why did you start performing in the first place? Because I feel like there's the people who are super shy and, like you said, want to get over that fear— and get in front of people. And then there's the other people who are super needy and want the attention and crave that <laughs> attention. And there's very little in between.
2: Right. Um, well, I was really shy when I was little. like, But then, then I don't know, By I'm like junior high, I sort of was like class clown type of person. And then I was really into watching it. It's sort of this whole combo, like perfect storm that equals this comedy actor. Because I was like really into watching SNL when I was little, the first cast. And you know, my 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 dad was very funny, so like my parents appreciated comedy, and so you know, um, they were, when I was really little they watched like Laughing and then Carol Burnett and like I said, mm-hmm. SNL, and um, so I had that going on around me, and then like um, I was into the I mean I was into the school plays and stuff like that, and so I don't know. Then I found like in acting, I wasn't a kid; it was like I'm going to be an actor. Like it wasn't this. But I just thought like, oh, that'd be really cool. Like when I was watching us and I was like, how do they or I, or I remember I went to see Annie when I was like 10 or something and I was like, wait, how are these kids up there? Like how do I do that? <laughs> you know. But um, but then like when I, you know, as I got older, the whole school play thing and all that, like I found that the the comic parts were just much more not only to my liking, but probably to the audiences. Like I wasn't the a drama person, you know, I just was not like Uh, that's not, not only do I not think I'm that great at it, but I also, I just don't have as much fun. Like to me, doing drama for me is like, I may as well just be like playing basketball or something. It's just not my thing. (laughs) (laughs) But I I mean, of course there's a whole spectrum of, you know, where you are. Like, I don't want it to seem like I only do big, broad comedy, but just comedy is where the fun was for me. So, um, then in college, I, um. I got to join the improv group and then I was just like oh my god yeah this is like I just saw it I was like oh I feel like I'd be good at that you know and then and then it was just so fun like that was my joy place was the improv and then I decided I'm making this really short but then I, or maybe really long depending on your opinion but then but then I decided to like go out to Chicago I was just going to try cuz we had took a little trip to Chicago and saw Second City and improv Big. I was like okay after college I'll just like try this and just so I know I gave it a shot, you know? And so that's how I ended up actually making the move. And then um, wow. And then it was really slow progress. Like most people I know, like no one I know really had overnight success. But then, so I was in Chicago for nine years and eventually got into Second City and was on the main stage. And that's how I got seen for SNL. And I just encapsulated everything into a minute there. But yeah.
1: Oh, wow. So you were... I would have assumed, like, based on biographies and, you know, Wikipedia and stuff, that like, oh, you just moved to Second City, and then all of a sudden you were on, or you moved to Chicago, and then you all of a sudden you were part of Second City, but you were there in Chicago oh gosh, for nine no. years.
2: No, as a matter of fact, I moved to Chicago, and I had so many, um, like, I know all the actors you interview must have their, you know, whatever rejection stories and all that but i definitely had like i never just like waltzed in and was picked for this like it was always my second try or even third try but um but yeah well, i moved to chicago with a friend of mine from um our improv group and then like we auditioned for the classes and which i heard like oh everyone gets into the classes and um i didn't get into the classes like we, we <laughs> like we just moved i didn't get into class and i was like oh we what have i done like pack up everything and but um but I I stayed. <laughs> and then it took a while. Like then I got into classes. And then like I auditioned to the touring company and to get in. And then I got but I was doing other things, you know, like little plays, and stuff something like that And then um, yeah, so even SNL, I auditioned, didn't get in the first time. Got to audition again a year later, got at that time. So um yeah, I was I was in Chicago for three years and then I got into the touring company. And then you kind of tour for a few years, and then you move on up the ranks. So um but Chicago was so fun because it was this whole, like, I mean, improv was my world there and comedy and like everyone who moved there back then, like everyone had moved there from all over at age, whatever, 22, 23 to do this thing. And, um, so there was this giant crew, and everyone, like many, many people, uh, are in comedy now that were there then. So it's kind of cool <laughs> that, um, you know, cause you hear how the, it's so hard to become an actor, but like, most people who were there, who stuck with it, are either writing or they're in comedy. And, I mean, I was there with a lot of great people. So, um, well, yeah. Well, give,
1: give me some name drops. Who was oh your Oh my gosh, class? here's
2: my name drop. So, well, first of all, when I was in the touring company, um, the main stage was, oh, well, Amy Sedaris, Stephen Colbert, and Steve Carell were all in the same cast <laughs> on the main stage. Uh, Jackie Hoffman was there. And I was, I was there with Susie Nakamura, who's currently in my cast right now, which is super cool. <laughs> And um, you know, like uh, Nia Bardalos, Jack McBride, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, uh, Matt Walsh was you know starting UCB with her, and um, oh my gosh, so many people I can't even I can't think. Oh, Adam McKay was in my first cast, oh, who of course like so great Oscar winner, and um, so yeah, and that's just the people I can think of in this moment. But yeah, it was so you know you were around all these really funny, really talented people, so it just upped everyone's game. You know, everyone rose to where everyone else was, and then the other great thing about that was. That when one person, you know, broke through, um, they'd bring other people with them. So it was sort of this really cool connection that wasn't really intentional networking, but it just sort of happened that way, you know?
1: Well, you cast your friends. You cast the people you want to work with. And so, yeah, yeah, I get it. If you have the ability to write or to produce or to create, then you're like, like you said, Strowman... Had you literally in mind for this, and like, and put you in, and then you're the perfect person, right? So now you've originated a role on yeah. Broadway, which is yeah. freaking awesome. <laughs> a- and I, I guess going back to uh, college for a second, what was your major in college?
2: I majored in drama and like minored in psychology because I, okay, also, so- I also wanted to be a therapist, which I always talk about um, because that was a real interest of mine. So then I wasn't sure which one I wanted to do. Like I said, I wanted to try the acting thing. So I could just know I tried it, but I was also genuinely interested in psych, which I still am. And I still get into all that stuff, but, um, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, so then, you know, uh, that was it. And I did, um, I did a semester at the O'Neill, whatever they call it now. I don't even know now they called it NTI, but the Eugene O'Neill center where it was just Mm. like, you just do theater. And actually that was kind of pivotal for me because, um, no one else there, there were like 40 students there. And no one else there was like a lot of people there wanted to be an actor professionally, but no one else there was that into comedy like I was. So then I was looking around like, oh, wait, like I'm the only person here that seems like they're really into comedy. So maybe I should try this, too, because all these people are going to go for it, you know. So that was also sort of factored in.
1: We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode.
0: Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW, void, prohibited by law. See terms and conditions.
2: 18+. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
1: I got a psych minor too, by the way, so twinsies. Oh, okay. Um, but for much different reason. I was going to go into. Uh, I originally thought I was going to do uh, artificial intelligence in Japan, so I wanted Ooh. to understand the psyche of oh. the brain. Anyway, um, that's a whole obviously other session. didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, didn't go there. Let's talk about that. It's like you'd be. it could be a shrink too. Like yeah. talk about your <laughs> yeah. problems in form of a joke. <laughs> um, I forgot my question. Oh, so when did you realize then that uh, I guess acting was for you in it, and make the leap to move to Chicago slash the people who you were with are trying to be serious actors. Are In your mind, is there a difference between acting and being a comedian?
2: Well, I don't know the people. I just meant the people that I was around for that particular thing. Like, no one seemed that into comedy as I was so I was into sort of comic acting like I didn't really know improv you know SNL like whatever you know when you're just starting out you're like I don't know what exactly but I know I like comedy so um oops there's a siren going by that's this is gritty New York folks um let's see um (laughs) and then yeah I mean I, I was mainly into improv when I moved to Chicago like and second like my goal was second city when I moved to Chicago so uh, like I said, I was just sort of, I'll see how it goes. And then what I found is like, I mean, I'd make, I, you know, that you hear people like the five year plan, if I haven't made it this far in three or whatever years, I don't know anyone that did that. It was more like, did I make a little bit of progress each year, you know? And then if I did, then that sort of like hooked you in for another year, you know? So that's how it sort of works for me. Well, that works. You, you
1: what, is, what is it? Andre DeShield said, "The top of one mountain is the bottom of the next." Right? Oh yeah, was, yeah. Yeah, he said in his Tony speech. And yeah. So you got look. Remember to turn around and look back and and see where you've come from. Make sh- and see the journey you've just been on. But yeah, there's always more to go. There's always more to do. And so now, now at your current age, you are making you're making your Broadway debut, and you've been in the business for decades. Is there? Is do you want to continue to do? do you want to do do you ever want to do drama on stage or in movies or like Mm. what's what is tell me about your five-year plan I mean
2: I don't have a (laughs) five-year plan I would never say never but I would like to do more stage yeah because this this whole the POTUS experience has reminded me that like this is where sort of my my joy vibes are is like just you in the live audience you know like that's what it was like in Second City and um I don't know. I think that's my sort of wheelhouse. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, doing movies is like, oh my God, I'm in a movie. That's so cool. You know, <laughs> But like when you're doing the movie, you're doing the same scene, you know, 30 times. And there's no live factor there. Um, and so this is just, uh, I don't know. It's just like, for lack of a better word, a lot of fun.
1: Are you able so, to not improvise when you're doing movies?
2: Uh, What do you mean?
1: Like, when I, whenever I'm in the limited experience I've had in front of a camera, I get bored saying, doing oh, the same thing actually, over and over and over.
2: Okay, actually, I don't really like improvising on film because usually I think the script is good and the person has worked really hard on the script and getting language just right. So, like, if you have another idea for a joke you want to throw in. Yeah, that's one thing. But if there's people like, and this one, this take just makes me up. I'm like, no, like, <laughs> I just—it's weird. But it's not really my thing to just like. I'm gonna come up with a joke on the spot that's better than what the person, you know, worked really hard. on. So I've, like, I like—I like it when a director is like, "Do whatever you want in this take." Sometimes, but in terms of script, I kind of like to follow it.
1: Well, do you ever have the urge? To, to say something completely different. Like, I, no. I was really <laughs> like, I'm always, no. I always want to just like take it and just tweak the language a little bit to, to do what I don't know, just do a little um, bit something different. But not, I mean, unless,
2: like, not unless, like, there's a part that feels oogie. Like, if there's one section that feels like, oh, I don't know if I'd say this, like, can I put it like that? And then they're usually cool about it because I don't really do that that often. But I mean, I don't know, maybe it's a testament to some good. Scripts I've come across, I don't really know. <laughs>
1: <I> don't know. <laughs> maybe yeah, I know. maybe I've just done bad. Or scripts. maybe I've just
2: maybe I show up and I'm like, I'll do whatever you say. You know, like I don't want to make waves, but uh, but no, I don't do a lot of improvising on film.
1: Well, actually, you know what? Now that I've said that, and now that you've given your response, I'm. It occurs to me that some of the 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 biggest joy that I've had on stage is when I do get to say the exact same thing over and over again, but finding how to say it differently. Yeah. You know, you're saying it differently yeah, yeah, yeah. with your body, like you said, you're doing right. different body language. Right. Are the inflections different, or your pacing's different. So, so there we go. All right. So I completely <laughs> just negated my own no. argument.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Glad we had this talk, and that's okay. all the time we know. Um, <laughs> so then you grew up in where you grew up in the this region, right? The Northeast.
2: Uh yeah, I grew up in Massachusetts.
1: Yeah, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. So then. Um, family was not into show business at all, correct?
2: Well, no, but my dad, did, he like I said, he was very funny and he did, um, he did community theater and he did acting in college and stuff like that. So he had some he had like the bug, you know, but he wasn't a professional, but he was like a person who'd like make up songs in the car and who did like did impressions. Like, oh my gosh, I ran into, um a classmate, like one of my friend's dads was in high school with him. And he said to me like, your dad used to imitate all the teachers as soon as they left the room, like that kind of thing. <laughs> so whatever that is, I had that, you know? Yeah.
1: Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. And I guess I genetics, uh, yeah, the the comedy gene yeah. definitely definitely runs in the family. And as, so I assume then too that that your parents had an idea of of the the impact i guess the importance of making it into second city and then making it onto snl and then continuing down that path because if i if i tell my parents i'm like oh yeah i'm doing this thing and they're like awesome like they have no clue what any what anything like they're so out of touch right i mean no offense to my parents yeah. who are probably listening now but um <laughs> they they've been out of touch a little bit for a while okay but, so your parents at the time when you were hitting these milestones in your career were they like oh good job now go clean your room like metaphorically or were oh, they, no, no. they like, did were, they celebrate
2: they were all, Oh yeah they were really excited for me and all these things I mean I think when I first was moving out to Chicago they were probably like okay you know like whatever makes you happy but you know they were probably like <laughs> kind of nervous for disappointment or whatever um, but um, but no they fully appreciated all the little successes along the way or big ones or whatever yeah.
1: I mean, being able to see your child or children on TV and not as a mugshot, I think, is pretty cool. There you go. Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so it's like, you know, bragging rights and proud, yeah. proud parents and whatnot. And so I, I can see that. I can, I can see at least from a an influence standpoint that it is something that probably hit home very easily oh, yeah. for them. But yeah, improv. There's so much bad improv out there that. A good improv. Yeah, when you get into good improv, true. it's I'm sure so they hard. Saw
2: their yeah, share of bad improv. But um, but you know, SNL is such an iconic thing that, like, that's sort of you know, you tell your friends your kid made it to SNL. Everyone knows what that is, and right. it's pretty exciting. Yeah.
1: Why did you decide to leave?
2: Um, well, i had been there seven years, and back then it was sort of different. Like now, people stay. You know. Kind of as long as they want, but back then it was more like seven years and you go sort of thing. So it was just like a different, different vibe around then. So um, yeah,
1: is it so is it like a like a family with Lorne? You can just call up Papa Lorne and just shoot the shit with him all the time.
2: I mean, I wouldn't say that, but he <laughs> he whenever I'm back, you know, he they call me back there to do Amy Klobuchar and various. Like I've gotten to go back for a lot of. Uh, whatever like the mother's day special or um i don't know they've called me back a bunch which is always really fun and it's like you know when you go back it's so fun because you you don't have to write anything and you're not like oh i hope my sketch makes it because you're just there and it's all it's all the good stuff about the place so um so yeah it's been really fun and um of course lauren you know he's like the i don't know he i owe my career to lauren you know so i'll be forever grateful to him um but I mean, I'm not like calling him up to shoot the shit. No, but he. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm always happy to see him. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it seems like the the experience. I mean, I say this with with Broadway shows and going through the rehearsals and texts, and and it's a form. Of, like you bond so much emotionally, and I say it's a form of trauma, and and not in a in a bad way. Um, but like doing a comedy is is hard. It's it takes a lot of serious serious work to do a comedy because you have to work so much at it and make it, make it right and, you know, finding the moments and whatnot. And you're still finding the moments after you open because even though the script is locked, you're doing different things different ways, right? And the, the, it, the added pressure of live TV internationally, well, it's live TV, but like now with the internet, everything goes out internationally almost immediately, right? So, and I talked with, uh, when I was talking with Bill Hader once, he said that he had, he would legit have panic attacks before every single live show, because the pressure of, of all of that. And I feel like with uh, you coming out of it um, and going back again to the, the pressure and the trust you have to place in your fellow castmates uh, going out and doing improv when you don't have lines, you know, script aside, when you're going out and trusting your scene partners to lift you up and for you to lift them up, um, I feel like that bonds people in a way that is incomparable to some other to to many other situations so like these are lifelong friendships that you're always going to have
2: yeah i mean there's that and then just also coming up with this like snl has its its share of like triumphs and tribulations you know like it's 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 like your dream job and it's also like a lot of pressure and it's this great ensemble and and you know really good friends like you said like only someone that's been there knows what it's like. And so it's, it is very bonding and same with just, but I mean, I feel like you can kind of say that about most plays, like something about theater just is like, I mean, I did this play 10 years ago called Minsky's, this musical that we did out at the Amundsen in LA, like with a possible Broadway move, but it never happened. But like, I still have really good friends from that show. Like there's something about, I don't know, just your your theater buddies, you know? And like yeah. the laughs you have, or like when you're out there and the audience isn't responding at all and you're just looking into each other's eyes, like, oh my God. Like there's something oddly thrilling about that. <laughs> I mean, you know, or being up on stage at an improv show where everything's dying. It's just like, it's like riding a roller coaster. <laughs> While you're in it, it's not that fun. But looking back, I can, I can laugh at the worst shows we've ever had. Um, so... Yeah, it's sort of like this bonded fraternity or sorority or whatever the heck is now an okay thing to say. <laughs> <laughs>
1: non binary
2: <laughs> A group of like-minded individuals, yeah.
1: Um, in your in your memoir, so it, it came out in 2012, full title is Girl Walks Into a Bar, Comedy, Calamities, Dating Disasters, and Midlife Miracle, um, which covers... A bunch of things, two of which that I wanted to call out. That, um, one of which is that I didn't know this until recently that you were the original uh role that Jane Krakowski ended up having permanently on 30 Rock, right? So, you were originally cast, yeah, and
2: yes. then,
1: um, unexpectedly got pregnant at 44.
2: Yeah,
1: that's the midlife mm-hmm. miracle, I assume, 43 and
2: eight months, but okay, okay no, well, 43 and 10 months. No, I'm just joking around. Yes, I had my child at 44, yes, mm-hmm.
1: so so. If we can, can you talk about the the experience with Thirty Rock though? Because you talked about the family I mean, and coming coming up with yeah. Tina and whatnot. Tina Fey. I mean, I
2: kind of like. I'm not saying this because like I don't want to talk about. It, but I've talked about this like so many times that I, now I feel like I could say like in three sentences. Like, uh, yeah, I was cast in this part and then it got recast, <laughs> and that's what happened. I don't know. I'm just like so. Like, it's, like, now, how many years ago? I don't know. Um, 15, so I don't know that I have anything, babies? like, new to say about uh, other than, the, like, you know, in, in showbiz that this happens to everybody and it wasn't, like, that crazy for me. But the crazy part was it got a lot of media attention at the time. And so coming out of SNL with all this, like, kind of negative, well, negative spin on it, uh, whereas I didn't even like basically I got shifted off that to do these little parts. And I was totally fine with that. Like I could see even, you know, I see like the sense of that, I guess is what I'm saying. But it just got a lot of like blow up media crap. And it was sort of my first and thankfully only intro to, um, I don't know, just like being asked this question <laughs> this many years later, you know what I mean? Like, cause it was just those people wanted to like, Find a scandal in it, I guess. Oh,
1: no, uh, no, I, so that, I, I didn't bring it up for scandal reasons. Back then. It, it, no, I don't
2: mean you. I just mean uh, like back then. It was like a. So I've just answered this so many times. But anyway.
1: <laughs> well, I brought it up. I brought it up because you had mentioned that happened and you had mentioned um, you were doing the show in LA that didn't. It was talking about Broadway and didn't come to Broadway. And, and there are so many people of named notoriety, yourself included, <laughs> who are in these great things that everyone, uh, like, you can put a great actor in a crappy script and it's still a crappy script. And sometimes things just don't work. And the point I'm trying to make is that throughout the career, like you said, it's writing a roller coaster. There's the micro writing the roller coaster of doing individual shows. And there's the macro writing the roller coaster of the whole business of show business. Right, Because right, you right. never know when a global pandemic is going to come and just shut your ass down. Exactly. So what are you going to do after that? And. Right. And so there is success and then there's failure and it goes up and down and up and down. And again, case in point, you went to Chicago oh. and was there for nine years before getting into Second City. Didn't, right. so I didn't And I will
2: say, also, I was going to say also, you're reminding me because I don't like live in that emotional spot anymore, but you're reminding me that like after SNL, uh, things really were not happening for me at all. And, and it's like so... That I kind of thought like, oh, I guess I'm not going to do much acting. Like I sort of thought, well, you know, should I go become the therapist? I thought of being... Like, I f- kind of forgot about this part where, like, for, I guess, like, four years after s the things were sort of died down a whole bunch. Um, but then I had the surprise of a baby. So it was one of those, like, after Second City, things also kind of died down a lot. And then I just sort of learned over time to... If you're in a dip, don't like live in the dip. Like just know there's going to be something else. So have fun when you're in the dip. Like do do other things that you don't have time for when things are slow because something else will probably be coming along. So it was a good kind of lesson for me, actually.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that's the therapist aspect of you, right? You got to look for... I guess so. But it, <laughs> took
2: me a while. it took me a while to learn that. Yeah.
1: I I love that what therapists are required to be in therapy themselves, I think. I think I, I know, know my Probably. therapist is. Probably. My therapist yeah. is. Yeah, she yeah. tells me about her therapist. Well, no, don't tell me specifics, but yeah, I think there are <laughs> a lot. Anyway, um, so let's wrap up the episode here with three closing questions that I ask okay. everybody. The first one, just very okay. simply, is what motivates you?
2: Oh. Oh my god. I'm so bad at these. I'm so bad at these rapid fires. What motivates me? Like oh my god. Laughing. Um, how did somebody else answer this? I want oh, to copy God. them.
1: <laughs> that's been, well, let's see. People uh, have said uh, money, people have said family. Oh, geez.
2: I Ooh. would say for you,
1: probably laughter and and, and being uh, lifted up. But yeah, I'm not going to put words in your mouth.
2: Um, la- yeah, laughter. I mean, I do really like being a mom. So that's been a fun, um, you know, next chapter. So um, I find hanging out with my kid very motivating.
1: Oh, it's so the best and the worst all my at answer. once. That's answer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. What advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now, starting out down a similar Ooh. path?
2: Ooh. Well, I mean, two, two versions. One is the more practical version, where I say, like, whenever anyone asks me, like, about getting into comedy, I always say to take classes because it is a sort of a natural community that you get to hook into. And that's how, like, everyone that I know that is doing this, started out in classes so even if you like you think you're you have nothing left to learn which of course we probably know isn't true but it's not just for the what you'll learn there but who you'll meet there and the community you'll get involved in and then the other advice I would say is what I just said that I learned myself is like you know don't take like 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 if your friend gets something great that doesn't mean you're not going to get something great or like it's the long road or like you know if you're having a dip it doesn't mean it's gonna it's gonna last forever
1: I like that you said that about the friend because if you help the friend to get something great then most likely they're going to help you get something great right after that along with them. Well,
2: I know like when I was really young like you know if it's the first person that got a job a real job you're like oh well so wait since I didn't get a job I guess I'm not good at this and so you can kind of like crash your whole confidence out by like when it's not happening for me right now so that means it's like a, a sign that I'm not talented but you know, just it's it's a long, it's a long game. So, and then, and then also, like you said, like support among the community is huge. So, um, you know, your friend getting something means like you might be recommended later on or whatever, that kind of thing. The whole write, community. I'll you apart. There you go. Yeah.
1: Or yeah. Okay. So the final question is the hardest one. If you could only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can yeah. see it as many times as you want, what would you see?
2: Like a a theater show we're talking?
1: Well, oh I say God. any show, but yeah, we'll go with theater.
2: Oh sheesh. I'm gonna choke on this. What if I have no answer? You can do, <laughs> what you can do TV. You can do can TV. we edit? Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> we are we are live oh broadcasting.
2: Oh, oh no. <laughs> no. Okay, there's two things that came to mind. There's two things that popped into my head. Two movies. Are they allowed to be movies? Yeah, yeah. Okay. The first thing I thought of was Spinal Tap. It <laughs> just popped in my head. <laughs> but this is but this is a theater show. So instead, I'm going to say <laughs> Brigadoon. No, I'm just kidding. I've never seen that. Um,
1: <laughs> War Horse.
2: <laughs> um, a play. Oh. It could be a musical. A musical? Um, Anything.
1: Anything. Uh, I, it could be a TV show if you like I'm TV. I'm
2: choking so hard on this. Um, I'm going to say say I'm going to say Music Man <laughs> and then I'll go to hell singing 76 trombones a thousand <laughs> thousand times over the third time I'll be like why did I pick Music Man um, no I was in Music Man in high school so I know all the music so Maybe that's why it jumped um, into my mind. It
1: was one of the first. You're not
2: pleased with that answer.
1: No, 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 no. I'm saying uh, Music Man, <laughs> I, that, was, that was an affectionate sigh because Music exactly. Man was, is one of the three shows I grew up as a kid watching on repeat oh. on VHS. That's what got me into theater. So oh, I, I, okay. I have a very strong fondness for Music Man. That's what I was like, okay. oh, that's my love, my love. Oh, yeah. Music okay. Man. Okay. Yes, yes, I mean, yes. like
2: I said, I'd probably regret it after the, the third round of. Well, Fargo Wagon and then I'd say, Why didn't I pick uh, Midsummer Night's Dream, which has a lot of depth to it? I'm sure I could get something <laughs> different out of every single time.
1: I said, um, uh, it was is interesting. Before the pandemic, uh, the most common answer was uh, Sweeney Todd.
2: Oh, okay. Huh.
1: And and then after the pandemic, no one said it.
2: They oh. they, don't want, they don't
1: want to go down that, they don't that want the, depression. Yeah. <laughs> that nasty right. eating people anyway can we right. find you online anywhere do you do social media
2: i'm on twitter and instagram yeah so that's what? where i am oh sorry i'm handles? at the real dratch. i'm at the real dratch on twitter and on instagram i'm at ray dratch, r-a-e dratch, because i apparently couldn't figure out how to make them both the same thing for ease but <laughs> um but yeah That's
1: where I am. All right, so you can get more of me at thetheaterpodcast.com. I'm on theater and Instagram. They're the same thing. Theater underscore podcast. I'm on TikTok now at thetheaterpodcast. I don't know what I'm doing on TikTok. It's horrible, but go check it out. (laughs) This is edited by Well-Rounded Hoodland Productions. Jukebox the Ghost gave us our intro and outro music. And Rachel Dratch, thank you so much. I have been laughing so hard and enjoyed talking to you so much.
2: Thank you. Thanks very much.
0: Make the world a little colorful.